Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. This, this, this is RS3. RS3. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. At the end of an action-packed day, we have still 90 minutes of World Endurance Championship running to take place. Free practice two. This is the second of three free practice sessions then to be held both today and tomorrow morning. One hour still to be done uh, in the early part of Saturday as well. But uh, after some tricky conditions in the ELMS and the early portion of the day, which meant that uh, free practice one for the wet cars was delayed by about 20 minutes, although we did get the full 90 minutes of running. Uh, this session also slightly delayed because of the various knock-on effects and the two-hour ELMS session prior to this. So we're going to run through till 6.30 local time. The session has actually already started, but you're not missing any times because the cars are just being released from the pit lane and we're covering it all live here here on the Radio Show Limited Network on RS3 and RS1 live trackside. The FIA World Endurance Championship on RS3. On RS3. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. And welcoming back Bruce Jones to the RSL commentary booth here in the wing at the Silverstone uh, circuit. So we're the Buckinghamshire end of the track and uh, some fantastic early evening sunshine to accompany this session, Bruce. Absolutely so. If the, through the course of this commentary, I gradually move closer to you because you're on the shady side and so I can see the one-timing screen because if I'm standing on the right-hand side of the box, I have a far better view than you do of the exit of club. But uh, the sun is now coming in through the window. But I think it's going to be a fine weekend. And for those who are listening at work, well, pretending to work, but listening to us, that's the important way around and are planning to come this weekend, I don't think you'll need to pack a brolly, but by all, by all means do, just in case. But it, So it's going to be a really good, gentle weekend as we approach autumn but right now lovely conditions here at Silverstone and uh, let's hope we have another 90 minutes of nice clear running certainly the World Endurance Championship as they kick off this the 2019-2020 season um, all set fair at the moment but what we're hoping for is that the car that didn't get to set a time in the first session the number five team LNT Ginetta does come out to play we hope they've got on top of the electrical gremlins that uh, affected them the whole way through that session they kept trying to get on top of it it was a problem with the uh, down changes uh, through the gearbox not being triggered and uh, let's hope the boffins in the team have uh, managed to work that one out because a team that came here with high hopes and really looking to make a splash with their two-car team thus far effectively it's been a one-car team with just the number six car which was shared by Mike Simpson, Oliver Jarvis and Guy Smith they got to do the running but the sister car for Charlie Robertson, Ben, um, ben Hanley and Igor Orochev they were all left kicking their heels in the pit lane very frustrating indeed Johnny yeah, it's been a trying day for, for many, actually, and uh, others, I think it's gone perfectly well, um, and, you know, they can they are set up nicely for day two, but I feel for the, for the ELMS teams because it's a two-day weekend for them. They don't get Sunday, and to have Friday very much compromised, that's been tricky, certainly for Carlin, because it's looking likely, more and more likely, that that car won't be able to take the race start this weekend. Uh, no such dramas in the WEC camp as far as uh, 
firm retirements this early on, thank goodness. We had uh, dramas for the number five, Janetta, but that car very quickly out. Uh, Charlie Robertson at the wheel. Other cars that are late to the party, but nothing to be concerned about. Three LMP2 cars still in the pits. And also the Red River Sport car, which did uh, come to a halt in the earlier session. So hopefully things been ironed out there. And we have yet to see, well, Toyotas have been out. Well, they're already almost a second faster than they were. Nine tenths of a second faster yeah. than the best time this morning, which, let's just reiterate, was not set by a Toyota, but the number one rebellion with Norman Nato setting that time right at the end to topple those two Toyotas by a margin of four tenths of a second. But right now it's the Toyotas in first and second places, seven ahead of eight. That's Mike Conway ahead of Kazuki Nakajima, going faster than this morning. So it's Johnny and Bruce at, uh, what are we, sort of four or five stories up from the pit lane, but at ground level, once again for a wet session, is Diana Beeks. Hello, yeah, uh, you can hear me this time. Oh. A little bit earlier, but uh, down here in the pit lane, um, most of the cars have made their way out onto the track, as you say. Fantastic evening. The atmosphere here is now building. I think this morning, of the earlier session, certainly the free practice one session, I think people were just finding their feet and, and getting ready. They had a base set up that they were running to, and then they were fine-tuning as they went along, and some people do, dealing with a couple of gremlins, but the LNT number five car is now out on track, and the... Um, there's no other cars that are up. Oh, there is actually the number 42 Cool Racing is still in the garage. But it doesn't look as if there's too many problems there because they're running around frantically. The lights are on. They're just still having some last-minute checks before that one goes up. But I'll keep an eye on that and see what happens. Excellent. Thank you. And I'll, I'll keep your microphone sort of half up and half down so that if you've got any other stories uh, to get to us in a hurry, then by all means, chip in. Uh, Kamui Kobayashi is back out again. So they did this sort of quick dash at the start of the session. Uh, we're, we're probably at the front of the queue, actually, the two Toyotas. Are they? You've been in the pit lane? Because you know, they are at the far end. I checked that out yesterday. They are. They're they? one garage from the end. Uh, the closest to pit exit is High Class Racing, the LMP2 yes. Orica team. But then comes Toyota Gazoo Racing in garages 39 and 38. Team Project 1 with their porters next to them. Jackie Jan TC Racing and then Jota. They're the ones at pit exit. Pit entry, it's the AF Corsa Ferrari in their relatively traditional position. Thank you for that. And that means, obviously, they get the good spot when the green flag is about to be waved. We'll get a similar situation for qualifying tomorrow as well. And sometimes it's all about where you position yourself in the pit lane. But uh, the sessions for the WEC are 20 minutes. Now, that does sound like a, a reasonably long time when you compare it to just 10 minutes for the ELMS categories. But bear in mind, World Endurance Championship qualifying is done by two separate drivers. You have to get driver A in and driver B in during that 20 minutes. And if there is, for whatever reason, a stoppage in the session, it can be rather tricky. Often teams treat it uh, in that they, they get driver one in and you know get a time as quickly as possible from that first driver, switch to driver two, and then there's always the, the, the option to go back to your original driver to improve and sharpen the razor blade if necessary. Um, but uh, many of these teams are well used to that format now. And even on a 5.9-kilometre circuit, 20 minutes uh, is just about enough. Two separate sessions for WEC. Uh, one is for the prototypes, the LMP1s and LMP2s. And one is for the GT cars, the Pros and the AMs. And that will be quite a busy session, actually, for the GTs, won't it? Because we've got, is it 12 AMs or, or 11 AMs? And then the six, so it's really... Tough. 
11 AMS. 11 AMS, and then the six uh, pros, so 17 cars will represent a rather busy track. Right, I'm going to blow the trumpet now for Charlie Robertson. The number five Janetta did not run this morning. Electrical problems, it's already out. It's already put in the lap time. It's just half a second down on the best lap time achieved by the sister car, the number six this morning. So right onto the pace and going uh, better than it has the previous time around this tie for Charlie Robertson. So clearly bouncing around on the balls of his feet in the pits and uh, just hoping and praying the electrical problem has could be sorted. Uh, he seems to have done the right sort of dance. So uh, Charlie Robertson, fifth fastest in the number five, Ginetta, and the number six sister car from Team LNT in sixth place. It's the two Toyotas, the two Rebellions, and the two Ginettas. That's all six runners in the LMP1 class. Leading the way in LMP2 at the moment is the Senior Tech Alpine with Pierre Rags at the wheel. So he's uh, got the bragging rights there. And in GTE Pro, it's uh, the other AF Corsa Ferrari, the 71 Ferrari, Miguel Molina, now for a, a full-time driver for the team, having done the longer races, but not been a regular runner for them in the past. And Aston Martin Racing, Ross Gunn, top of the GTE Am field. And in fact, he's second fastest GTE runner overall. So a very good run there for Ross Gunn on his debut for the Aston Martin Racing Works team in the GTE AM class. So the young Brit flying on home ground. And some of the, well, a fair chunk of the LMP1s deciding to come in now, including both of the rebellions, Gustavo Menezes, Pipo Durrani, and the other Janetta from LNT, Team LNT, with Mike Simpson at the wheel. That car has so far done five laps in the opening 11 and a bit minutes, and back out again to try and improve. Thomas Laurent, the young Frenchman, who is a Toyota test driver, uh, also a former Rebellion racer, uh, raced at Le Mans indeed for that squad, but now embraced with Signitech Alpine Elf for the 2019-2020 season. And Thomas Laurent, having come through the ranks at first racing an LMP3 car in the Asian Le Mans series, what, just two or three seasons ago, then into the Michelin Le Mans Cup, then into ELMS, jumped up from P3 to P2, and is now a fully-fledged LMP1 pilot, so a meteoric rise, you could say, over a very short period of time. Indeed, so... Oh, down in the pit lane, sound busy. Is that Diana trying to call in? I think you're trying to shape somebody up. Ah. Not quite there. OK, so. but just going back to Thomas Laurent, he also, when he hit singles, when he hit uh, P3 in the 2015-2016 uh, Asian Le Mans series. He came on the back of three years of winning national and international karting championships. He mm. has a really, really strong pedigree. And I was super impressed when he arrived at Le Mans for that first time. It seemed right on it. seems seems like he'd been there forever. Yes, very professional when you speak to him, out of the car as well, entirely focused. Uh, and still, at a very tender age, was he 21, 22 years old? So... Uh, one that Toyota will be looking towards as we head into the hypercar era in, what, 12 months' time? Because the next time the WEC is due to be here, well, no calendar announced yet for season 2021, but you have to think there will be a Silverstone round at some stage. Might be the season opener. Uh, I remember this time last year we had a calendar announcement for this season here at Silverstone, so... Maybe no tomorrow, word, maybe no this weekend. Yet, but yeah, it might be tomorrow, you never know. Uh, Kobayashi back in again in car number seven. Sebastian Buemi returning to the track. So the Toyota separated by 1.3 seconds. 136.8 plays a 138.1. Binksy dive in whenever you uh, are, are, are ready. I did hear voices in the background there and was unsure. Have you got somebody? 
No, but okay. I'm, I'm at the pit out um, end, end of the pit lane. <laughs> um, the number 33 high-class racing LMP2 car is in the garage, actually. I've gone in to just have a, a chat with them to find out what's going on. And they're saying there's no dramas. They've just decided to wait. They don't want to go out just yet, which seems a strange decision right now, but um, but they all look quite comfortable. There's no, no they're not looking around the car. They are, the car is literally just there without the wheels on that. And as we were just talking, I think the Toyota number seven had been in, as you said, and that's gone back out. But again, that was a, a, a splash and dash for the team down here. So I'll make my way up the right up the pit lane to the pit in and uh, just see what other stories I can find for you down here in the pit lane. But it looks like everyone's doing a few installation laps coming in making some changes, checking and going back out again. Yeah, well, that, I suppose that's uh, sort of regular practice for this early on in the session. And uh, they'll be sort of cycling around various different setups to work out a good one for a stint. And what one or two teams will be doing uh, dummy stint runs. And then it'll get really exciting, I reckon, in the last sort of 10 minutes as cars are trimmed out for ready for qualifying. Although we have still got another 60-minute session to be done tomorrow morning is that the first thing that happens here tomorrow yeah it is nine o'clock through till 10 is the final 60 minute free practice session and then between 10 and uh, 10 to 12 is the interval between fp3 and then the qualifying mode but the cars will need to be ready by about half past 11 so they'll have a good 90 minutes to do the final setup changes if you weren't uh, lucky enough to be able to listen early today, maybe work or family life got in the way, you, you'll have uh, not heard the drivers talking a lot of them about the new improved race circuit surface here at Silverstone. And certainly it's already uh, been proved to be very quick indeed, providing seemingly a lot more grip and a much smoother playing surface for all of them. And uh, at the moment, uh, Jose Maria Lopez, very close to the fastest ever lap around here. 1 minute 36.769 seconds set by Mike Conway. Uh, in 2018 and now we're down to 36.8 so another tenth could be found and they'll be on the pace yes it's practice and best laps can only be set in the course of a race but it just shows that early on as they dial themselves in with the two Toyotas clear by well in fact one Toyota is 1.3 second faster than the rest Sebastian Buemi in the sister car the number eight only 1 minute 38.1 at the moment, 1.3 seconds off the pace set by the Argentinian. But uh, again, as Johnny said at the start of this session, the cars are going out, banging in a quick lap, those two Toyotas, and immediately calling at the pits. And so they're just scrambling around at the moment. They're out on the track, winding up the pace again. The Rebellions in third and fourth places overall. They're in the pits at the moment, as is the number five, Janetta. Hopefully not a problem this time. They missed the entirety of the first 90 minutes in free practice, number one, with an electrical glitch. But at least they've been out. Charlie Robertson, fifth fastest, so there or thereabouts, but most importantly, out on the circuit running. Cars coming in and out of the pits at the moment, but just remember those two Toyotas are out on the circuit. And let's see if any improvement can come from Lopez. Can he go down to 1 minute 36.7 seconds for a lap? At the moment, he's 1 minute 36.8. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to compare when we get, what, another 40-odd minutes, 45 minutes into this session, compare times in this session and earlier on. Obviously, it feels warmer in our commentary box, but that's because the sun's come round to virtually face us now. So... A blinding Bruce and starting to bake me a little bit, which is it's a pleasant feeling because uh, it's been, uh, would you believe it, chilly at times in here. I think that's because of uh, a, 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 an air conditioning unit that was working far too frenetically. Much more pleasant now. Um, 
but ambient temperature might be dropping off and that's more favorable for the uh, the normally aspirated engines track's going to be as grippy as it's been all day as well with more and more michelin and dunlop rubber going down uh, as part of the elms they've got different compounds from michelin in use in the wec and of course i think as many as three different compounds from from goodyear this weekend um the Goodyear squad, by the way, are closely linked to Dunlop. Uh, a lot of staff that I've been accustomed to seeing in, in yellow shirts and T-shirts have switched to the, the all-white with the, the blue branding of Goodyear. Uh, but they are completely different compounds. It's not just a rebadging exercise. You know, this is deliberately to get Goodyear uh, properly back in as a tyre manufacturer. And... Uh, Goodyear are, are a global brand rather than, I mean, Dunlop, yes, they are global, but depending on where you are around the world, uh, it's almost like a franchising thing. So the European arm of Dunlop is run by kind of one company and then Dunlop in the US is a different entity and Dunlop in Asia, again, I think different. Whereas Goodyear, it's the same all around the globe. And I think Johnny, I Goodyear are keen to, to, to make that point. Di. <laughs> Thank you. I'm with Team Project One. Jerome Bukamolan's just uh, jumped out of the number 57. Jerome, first of all, you only did a, a couple of laps there and came in and changed over. Are you running through your driver cycle now? Yeah, no, we're, we're pretty happy. We're just cycling through the drivers because we basically still got to learn the car. It's uh, we, did, we did a small test, but it's pretty much our first time on a, on a real racetrack in this car. So we're just cycling through the drivers, getting more comfortable. I think the team has already uh, a good base. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun to drive this car and work with the team. What did you learn in pre-practice, one? Yeah, it's it's uh, a tough championship with a lot of uh, strong drivers and teams out there. So we know we have to do everything right. So that's what we're pre preparing for, to get all the rules right. Uh, stuff like uh, slow zones, uh, pit exit, pit entry, all the simple stuff that can go wrong. We're just trying to tick off all the boxes to uh, make sure we're going into this race totally comfortable. The resurfacing here at this circuit will be the first time you've been on the, on the resurfaced track. How are you finding it? It's great. Uh, so much so much grip out there. Um, yeah, it's one of the grippiest tracks in the world, I think. Uh, yeah, really cool to drive. Anyway, it's a great track to drive, but uh, the more grip, the better for a race driver. So uh, I really like it. And what's the feedback from your teammates? Sorry? What? What's the feedback from your teammates after they get out? Yeah, they also really like it. It's the first time for Ben, uh, so he has to learn uh, the car and the track, but uh, he's been doing great so far. And Felipe knows the track really well. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's running smooth so far. We haven't really had issues. We're just yeah, trying to put everything together and, and then go for the race. Aaron, thank you. Well, it's worth noting, of course, that the last time this trio was together was at the Le Mans 24 Hours when they ran a privateer for GT. Looked to have won the class, then their victory in class was taken away for uh, some fueling issues uh, and the, the blow of the disappointment taken with great grace by Ben Keating. Uh, held his hand up, it wasn't really a problem of his making at all, but anyway, he took the knock and now learning as they go. The sister car from Team Project One, entry list says Eugenio Perfetti, David Heinemeyer, Hansen and Matteo Caroli, but Johnny and I were caught out when suddenly David Kolkman, a young German Porsche racer, popped up 
in practice session number one. We understand that uh, David Heinemeyer Hansen has even more reason than uh, most uh, expectant fathers because his wife is about to produce their first child any moment. And if she could possibly hurry up in the nicest way <laughs> possible, then David Coltman will be a spectator and David Heinemeyer Hansen will be back in the cockpit. But right now, that car is in the hands of neither of them because the other Team Project One car is being driven by Egidio Perfetti. So we'll see later how uh, Mrs. Heinemeyer Hansen is getting on. Um, but she's still got until, um, well, tomorrow, late morning uh, to yes. make up her mind. Well, to an extent, the thing is, if David's going to be, and David Heinemeyer Hansen, we should make the point, because David Coltman is easily confused. Uh, David, DHH, if he's going to be in the race, he's going to have to do one of the three free practice sessions. He won't be part of qualifying because he's a silver driver, and qualifying, it's two drivers. But if you're a GTE AM crew, you have to use your bronze as one of those drivers, and you would ha you would it would make sense to then also put in the platinum driver. That's the wrong entry list. Who's the who's the sort of hot shoe? Hot in shoe in there is uh, Matteo Caroli, oh, who's gold. Yeah. So uh, it's it's not as if DHS is going to be able to, to take part in qualifying because he can't do because that would mean that Perfetti wouldn't be part of that and they would be breaching the regulations. So. Let's assume he's not he's not here at the track today, I don't think. I'm not sure where his wife is, whether it's back in Denmark or maybe even in the US. You have to think probably within a flight journey. Um, so, yes, if events transpire tonight and he can get away in the early hours of the morning, he's going to have to be part of free practice between 9 and 10 tomorrow morning to, to, to qualify for the race, unless he then goes to Eduardo Freitas later on tomorrow, uh, you know, with force majeure. But we'll wait and see. But it, it, it's sensible, I think, from Team Project 1 to get David Cortman in a position where he can take the race start or be part of the, the four hours on Sunday if necessary. Well, a, bit, a big gift, if you will, for David Cortman, a chance to yeah. step up to the World Endurance Championship from the uh, Porsche Carrera Cup Deutschland. He's uh, been a top six finisher in that, but uh, finding his feet and did a good job in this morning's session. But right now, if you want to be at the top in the GTEM, Category, you don't need a Porsche, you need an Aston Martin. And it's Aston Martin Racing's entry number 98, Paul Dallalana at the top of the pile. Ross Gunn set that time. He's come over and handed, come in and handed over to the Canadian and a completely reshaped crew. Paul Dallalana, after he pointed out this morning, seven years sharing with Matthias Lauda and Pedro Lamy has got uh, Darren Turner on board and Ross Gunn drivers at two ends of the age groups in the Aston Martin stable to see how they can fare together and uh, hope he's going to pick his way towards the front and maybe pick up another GTE AM title this year. Um, I'm just trying to work back through the records as far as Ben Keating is concerned as to when he last raced a Porsche. Now, he has got experience of racing Porsches in previous seasons, but predominantly he's been at the wheel of a front-engine car in more recent years, and the exception being the Ford GT, which is mid-engined but prior to that it's been gt3 mercedes amgs it has been aston martins it's been the the riley motorsports viper um so 2013 he did some porsche cup racing uh, but i don't think well certainly this will be the first experience where he's he's been racing a, a gte spec porsche and a lot of people say you know the porsche is a tricky car to get your head around, particularly if you're coming from front-engine machines. So it's, it is brave as far as Ben Keating is concerned. Felipe Fraga, Brazilian stock car star. But again, has he ever raced a GTE Porsche? 
possibly not. Uh, Kieran Blake Merlin will have done several times and certainly at GT3 level as well. So he's the linchpin, arguably, to offer advice to the other two guys. And I just wonder if, you know, playing the long game, whether they're going to try and get an entry to the WEC in future seasons for that fabulously looking uh, Ford GT in the wins livery as it was at Le Mans. Finished first on the road, but ultimately disqualified. So that car, number 57, is currently seventh fastest, and it is the Brazilian Fraga doing the driving there. Uh, number 98, though, tops the times. Paul Dallalana with a full driver shake-up, welcoming two Brits, Ross Gunn and Darren Turner, to the lineup there in the GTE Am spec Vantage AMR. So no longer a four-and-a-half-litre engine normally aspirated for the Canadian, a four-litre twin-turbocharged V8 instead. Doesn't sound quite as good, but they look very dramatic indeed, particularly if you catch sight of them on the pit road when all three Astons pit together um, as they were doing some uh, some pit stop testing and practice uh, late on yesterday evening and three cars nose to tail in near identical liveries. What we get on our timing screen from time to time is uh, warning about abuse of track limits, but certain drivers or teams have now got constant abuse of track limits. That's car number 57, one of the Team Project 1 Porsches. That's the one shared by Ben Keating, Felipe Fraga and Jeroen Blakemolen. And before them, another GTE AM entry, another Porsche, Dempsey Proton Racing's number 77, Christian Reed, Matt Campbell and Ricardo Perra. So they have really got to watch what they're after. And a lot of the drivers are making that misdemeanor out of the final corner. Turn 19, as some might call it, we call it club because we're traditional and we've been coming to Silverson for a very long time. Tempting to dive deep into that corner. And in fact, this time around, the number 77 Porsche, far more circumspect. So I suggest the driver at the wheel of that at the moment is uh, taking heed of that. And it's uh, Christian Reed who's just taken over, but it could well be one of his teammates who uh, has been the one going over those curbs too far out, all four wheels over the white line. Thus, the fact they've been spotted by race control. And who's putting in the quick times at the top? We're suddenly getting changes. Rebellion Racing, Gustavo Menezes is uh, starting to go faster and faster. And in behind, just improving its time, Pipo Dirani, still fourth fastest in number three, Rebellion. But uh, this is the car that's not necessarily, Johnny, entered for the entire season. But we'll have it as many rounds as we possibly can alongside the number one. And the number three, Entry. Nathaniel Berton, as you said, a very late entry in many ways. Pipo Dirani and Loic Duval. I'm sure we'll see them all together at Le Mans, but as many more rounds as possible, please, to the lovely Swiss team Rebellion Racing. Uh, Loic Duval actually getting a text message from Gerard Neveur uh, about congratulations, you've got to drive with Rebellion before Loic had been told. <laughs> So a, a slightly embarrassing moment there for Gerard, And he said, oh, oh well, uh, I, th I think you've got a strong chance anyway. <laughs> of course, he being the promoter, he knew which car was going to go in and which drivers had, had uh, been named alongside it. But, uh, yeah, the work hadn't quite been done from the Anglo-Swiss team. Anyway, it's, the cat's out of the bag now, so it, all is fine. Um, so that's the number three car with Brazilian driver Pipa Durrani at the wheel. It's the number one car that's slightly faster. And uh, actually, uh, Senna Menezes and Nato's car uh, fastest in free practice one earlier on today by just under half a second, 0 0.420 of a second, faster than both Toyotas. So what have Rebellion and potentially Janetta got up their sleeve for the end of the session? All very well going fast now, uh, but I just wonder whether again we're going to see those R13s trimmed out to their most slipperiest, oh. uh, to, you know, with about five minutes to go. So Toyota cannot respond. 
Well, I was just about to say, let's talk about LMP2, Johnny. Let's talk about the fact that Cool Racing are top. Well, I didn't, and I've missed my opportunity because they're not <laughs> anymore because uh, the time set by Nicola Lapierre very early on see, had stood good for some while. But United Autosports, Paul Iresta, the Scottish racer, had just put their Orica to the top of the pile, not by a large margin, by about 0.15 of a second. Everybody else has set decent times, with the exception of high-class racing. We heard from Diana Binks early in the session that the team was just sort of sitting it out for the moment, but with the track conditions as they are, I should suggest they should get out there. So when they do, we'll have 31 cars out of the 31-car entry out playing. But for now, high-class racing waiting, we think, with Mark Patterson at the wheel to go back out uh, to go out and see what they can do. But uh, we've uh, just right now gone through the first half hour of this 90-minute session. Two Ferraris in GTE Pro looking strong and separated by not much at all. Uh, four tenths of a second. No, it's closer than that. Tenth of a second, in fact. In fact, we're down to a hundred hundredths of a second as the margin. Uh, four hundredths of a second between Alessandro Pierguidi and Miguel Molina. So 51 marginally faster than 71. Then the best of the Porsche GT team, uh, 911 RSL 19s with a slightly increased CC engine so 4.2 litre normally aspirated flat six in those modern day porsche gts uh, and car 91 is slightly faster than 92 bruni and estra in 91 and 92 respectively and both aston martins who uh, reached the full complement therefore of the gt pros they are fifth and sixth in placings and actually behind Three of the GTE AMs right now. Marco Sorensen in car 95, Alex Lynn in 97, although both are in the pits. And they took a while to, to get to the sharp end, but were there or thereabouts, uh, six-tenths of a second slower, the best Aston Martin in today's earlier free practice session, slower than the, the fastest car ultimately in pro, which was the number 91 Porsche. Which did that time very, very late in the session for quite some while. It was the uh, 51 Ferrari at the top and then the two Aston Martins, but Porsche came good. And uh, if you are standing at trackside or even looking around the world, 91 is the one that's largely white with a silver flash down the side. The 92 car with uh, Christensen and Estra is silver with a white flash. But in fact, in fully bright light, they both look incredibly similar. They look a sort of silvery white, which really isn't enormously helpful. They do look very spectacular, though. And that rear diffuser, how long that uh, the, the various curves and waves in that took to design, I, I've no idea, probably the bulk of 2019 so far. But airflow from the rear of the car, so, so important. Travels underneath, of course, creates that, uh, that suction effect. And how the car exits via that rear diffuser is so important to the performance of the car. Airflow across the top of the car, yes, but it's also channeling that air underneath GT cars, big heavy GT cars that makes them quick around Silverstone and other places too. OK, it's now got serious. The warnings have gone from uh, constant abuse to punishment. Five minutes stop and go penalty for the car 57. That's one of the two Team Project 1 Porsches. That's the one shared by Ben Keating, Felipe Fraga and Jeroen Blekemolen. I would suggest they possibly all had a go at running off the circuit. Jeroen did the first part of the session. Uh, we heard him speaking to Diana Binks a while ago, but his teammates have uh, been out and played and perhaps got it slightly wrong. Maybe built on him, but uh, they get the first rap over the knuckles. But we've seen a lot of uh, teams being given a warning and a second warning. The third warning is where you get the five-minute penalty, the five-minute stop and go. Don't want to lose track time, but it's not the biggest disaster. This is practice. This is not qualifying. 
Yeah, and uh, important to know where the limit is and not go beyond that uh, when we reach the four hours on Sunday, scheduled for a 12 midday start. By the way, there has been some adjustment in the timetable for today and you actually get a bit of extra running there for, due to finish at six o'clock this session, but it started half an hour late and therefore will finish at 6.30 rather than six o'clock. So if you're looking for an early-ish exit, and fancy a bit more track action. We've still got 56 and a half minutes left on the clock. And now uh, five of the six LMP1 cars entered this weekend are on, on track. The only one not, Mike Simpson's Team LNT Janetta. But Ben Hanley finally able to get some mileage in the G60 LT. P1. Well, he looks so. He's about to bang in a very quick lap indeed. He set that car's fastest first sector, but the person making the moves is Gustavo Menezes. He's got to within um, two tenths of a second of uh, the number eight Toyota. Still the number seven Toyota fastest by eight tenths of a second, but it looks so a very quick time's going to come from Hanley and a very tidy time too from Gustavo Menezes. So the Toyota's not having things their own way. It was predicted they wouldn't, and of course, Rebellion toppled them in the first of the practice sessions today. And that number one uh, Rebellion would like to go top all over again. It may move up to second place ahead of uh, the number eight Toyota with uh, Brendan Hartley on board. But uh, Gustavo Menezes, American racer, pressing hard, waiting for him to get to the end of the second sector, which is at the exit of Chapel, and see if he can really continue to knit together a very, very good lap indeed. Still waiting. Yeah. Uh, through the split now and that's a 41.6 which is not too bad although the Toyota ahead of it on the screen car 7 has just done a 41.3 behind it on the road actually Argentinian driver Jose Maria Lopez in number 7 and within touching distance of being able to use Gustavo Menezes as a bit of a toe and actually Menezes is going to bail out of that lap so obviously doesn't think it's on for anything particularly special Lap 13, unlucky for some, and he comes into pit road. Actually, that was lap 14, uh, and uh, deciding, therefore, to stop with the team, perhaps for a new set of Michelin tyres. But Toyota number seven did stay out. That wasn't an improvement for Jose Maria Lopez. Still, the high-end 136 is the best lap, which was set pretty early on after just five laps of now 18 completed by number seven Toyota, 14 laps completed by number eight Toyota, and its best lap came on lap five as well. I think what was indicative there, Johnny, was the fact that uh, Lopez was about four seconds down on that car's ultimate pace. I think they're just trying a little bit of this, a little bit of that, maybe just not thinking it's worth making any taking any risks in traffic. Talking of traffic, we do have 31 cars now having come out to play because finally the high-class racing entry by Kenta Yamashita, the Japanese racer, at the wheel, moves up to last place in class, in the LMP2 class, but gets laps on the board. So they waited the first half hour. Now they're getting in amongst it. And we hear this from Dinah Binks. I've got Pippa Durrani with me from the number three Rebellion Racing machine. Pippa, are you getting a, a, a good feel for your pace during these practice sessions because you're running very strongly? Yeah, it's always good to be back in the car here at Silverstone. And uh, I have to say it's never easy to jump into a new car and um, straight into a race weekend. But so far the team has provided me enough to improve every lap. So... 
It's not going to be an easy task. Obviously, the other car has been running. The drivers has been driving the car for ages. But um, I'm looking forward to the race. I think it's always good to start the WEC season and uh, couldn't be any better. I'm guessing that's part of the challenge. You know, you need to keep challenging yourself by setting yourself these objectives. You get in a new car and you've got to deliver pretty quickly. Guys, yeah, normally what happens, uh, it's a pretty high level, we are professionals, so it's what the team expects from us, And um, but like I said, never easy to jump into a car that you've never driven straight into a, such a competitive uh, race weekend, and, um, and super fast car as well, so I'm looking forward to uh, every session going out there and improving a little bit, and hopefully by the race time we are competitive. There's lots of improvements going on at the moment, still early days in the in the three practice session too. But what's the traffic like? Are you are you able to manage the traffic to find the gaps that you need? Yeah, it's never easy, especially with so many GTMs and sometimes sometimes you're not really sure if they know who's behind and who's around, so it can be tricky sometimes, but um, we have to pay attention uh, twice for us and for them as well. So hopefully we'll have a clean race because accidents can happen when you have different classes, but uh, fingers crossed for a clean one for us. What's the plan for the rest of this session? I don't know yet. <laughs> Are you going back out? No, I don't think so. There, there shouldn't be enough time. All right, thanks, Bill. We'll catch up with you over the weekend. Another driver who will have experienced this configuration of Silverstone in his British Formula 3 days, because looking up the 2011 season, when the Brazilian was with, I had it a moment or two ago, Double R Racing, and that season ended with a triple header here at Silverstone, when he finished 14th, 5th and 12th in his Mercedes-powered Delara. But, uh, so, yeah, it will have raced here. I'm just... When was he last in the WEC, and uh, did he come to Silverstone? ESM, I suppose, in those days, sort of 2016. Yeah, 2016. Yes, he was, mm. yeah, and did take part uh, in the Silverstone event. Um, that was a race hmm, won by, well, that was an LMP2 car that he was in. It was a race won by Porsche, Romain Dumas, Neil Jarney, Mark Lieb, and Dirani finished... Uh, not as the top LMP2 car, but not very far away, actually. I make him second in that division. So, yes, more recent experience as well, just three years ago. Good to have Pipo back again. It's uh, It's been a late deal, and uh, as we've said a few times now, remains to be seen how long we're going to get uh, keep that second rebellion as part of the fold. But I, I think we need to keep six LMP1s for as long as possible. That always worked in the days of two Toyotas, two Audis, two Porsches. And particularly with this new way of equalising the field, both with EOT, the equalisation of, or the equivalence, I should say, of technology, and the success handicap, which is going to uh, compromise the performance of winning cars. The bigger your points margin at the top of the charts in terms of the championship points, the more, the more your car's going to be pegged back for future rounds. So it's going to be fascinating if the Toyota start with a winning run. You know, where are we going to be at round three, round four, round five, just before the end of the year? Rumble of thunder, flash of lightning, and it's the number 71 
AF Corsa Ferrari from the GTE Pro class that's just picked up a five-minute stop-and-go penalty. Second one issued in this session for exceeding track limits. Was it Miguel Milena who started the session or Davide Regon? I would suggest it was Milena because I don't think Regon's had a run in the car yet. They've got to come and cool their heels in the pit lane. So the officials still continue to watch. And car number five, the, one of the two Ginettas, a black and orange warning flag, meaning mechanical problem spotted from the outside of the circuit that's being shown to car number five that's out on the track ollie jarvis at the wheel those two cars incredibly close in terms of time just three hundredths of a second between the two ginettas it's five ahead of six sorry i beg your pardon look at the screen more carefully six ahead of five jarvis ahead of ben hanley but uh, that will need to be coming into the pits asap because the black and yellow black and orange warning flag can't see for why no, um, not sure whether... It seems unlikely that the problem is related to the dramas that the number five crew were working through in the earlier session. That was an electrical problem where the car or the gearbox was shuffling, struggling to downshift. It was reported, I think, by either Charlie Robertson or Mike Simpson. Um, black I, and orange flag tends to suggest either a bit of smoke trailing or some loose bodywork, doesn't it? Well, either way, it doesn't really matter, but for, for Ben Hanley, he's just produced that car's fastest lap, 1 minute 39.6, so he's mm. moved ahead of the teammate, the sister car in the number six, but uh, will be the black and orange flag is still being held on the start-finish straight, come out of club corner, look with the sun behind you, should be nicely illuminated uh, for Ben Hanley as he comes around. Marshall's standing, getting quite a tired arm there with that flag out there, the warning flag, but uh, I'm sure it will be heeded and certainly the crew will be uh, calling to Ben and saying, right, you've got to bring it in. So that's one to look out for, Diana, uh, as you uh, obviously keep a keen eye on everything that's going on up and down the pit lane. Look out for car five coming in in the next few do. minutes. I will do. I'm yeah. just at um, United Autosports number 22 and they're just making some adjustments. They're adjusting the right but it's still in the pit lane on the pit apron, but they've just put the uh, front back on and uh, having a quick chat with the driver. So that looks like it's going to leave. So that was maybe a two or three minute stop. I did wonder if there was another issue, but there doesn't seem to be. They're just firing that car up now. It's pulled the rest of behind the wheel. And I'll just go back out. But I'll go and have a look and see what's happening with the number five. It's in the pit lane now, so just wonder whether it's strikingly obvious why the car's been called into the pit lane to address the issue, or whether it's going to have to go into the garage and be properly seen to by the team. The number six car's going to carry on round, though, and Ollie Jarvis now getting some much-needed mileage behind the wheel of a new car to him. Didn't even know he was going to be here this weekend until a phone call early on Monday morning. Busy this weekend? Well family trip away to centre parks plan but that, that could be postponed that was a near miss then <laughs> Janetta is being wheeled into the garage I can see it. I'm just stuck behind a couple of cars further down in the pit lane but that's gone straight into the garage okay but no, no stray bodywork or bits hanging off it I didn't see it as it came up ah, okay. the pit lane to be fair it just looked didn't look as if it had any damage but I could only see the left hand side um, I didn't see the right hand side yeah okay well I'll leave you to uh, investigate a little bit further and uh, maybe it'll be obvious once the team uh, ascend upon it and start work uh, but I think Ben reacted very quickly to that black and orange flag normally you get about three laps don't you to come in and address the issue uh, the number 22 car, as Di 
had mentioned is returning to the session. So Paul de Resta, the man from West Lothian originally, although based very much in Monaco these days, uh, and splits his time between media duties in the Formula One camp and also a full season entry into the DTM Championship, uh, half based in Germany and half a European tour for that series. Um, now with Mercedes last year, it's Aston Martin this year for Paul de Resta and the R Motorsport squad. So, And then, of course, now it's being signed up by United Autosports for a full season in the WEC for t- season 2019-2020. So being kept very busy. And that car currently fastest, 143.059. Two more crews being pinged again for a five-minute stop-and-go penalty for exceeding track limits. From GTE Pro, it's the 91 Porsche that set the pace in this morning's session. Jamaria Bruni and Richard Leitz. And in GTE Am, it's one of the two AF Corsa Ferraris. This is the one with them. If the colours were different, it would be Eddie Cheever's helmet, which obviously was then copied by, um, to a large extent, by Anthony Davidson with the diagonal lines as though the sun is uh, shining through a deck chair, a slatted chair from an angle. There's one way of describing it. Anyhow, the 83 like car, Francois Perodo, Emmanuel Collard and Nicholas Nielsen and the driver on board at the moment. Presumably the guilty party is Francois Perodo, but again, it's cumulative. The penalties aren't just for the driver, they're for the car. So they might have all had a go at running beyond the margins of the circuit. If you're going to do it, get it out of the way in practice, because certainly you do not want to pick up those penalties come the race. You mentioned Eddie Cheever. Uh, Eddie Cheever III has been part of the World Endurance Championship until the end of last season. There's been a change around, though, at MR Racing, the Japanese-flagged squad, and Kei Cozzolino, uh, effectively Eddie Cheever's replacement. Olivier Beretta uh, maintained or retained by the team. And third driver, remind me, in the 70 car. I shall remind you, it's Olivier Beretta. No, Beretta, I mentioned. uh, It's Ishikawa. Ishikawa, Motoaki Ishikawa. Yes, thank you. His team, effectively. And um, certainly Kei Cozzolino prying his trade, half Japanese, half Italian driver, but been starring in Japan, was uh, Asian Le Mans Series GT champion in the 2018-2019 series, sharing a car guy racing Ferrari with Kimura, Takeshi Kimura, and none other than James Collado. There was the star in the car, but Cozzolino very, very quick in Japan. Yeah, in that car guy uh, entry, wasn't it? So they were champions at the GT level of Asian Le Mans series and gained a Le Mans entry off the back of that. So it competed at Le Mans, finished 35th overall at this year's uh, annual visit to Circuit de la Stellatarte. And where did that put them? Car 57 in Am, fifth place after all the shuffling around that was necessary at the sharp end. So uh, they finished two laps off the eventual winning distance from York Bergmeister, Patrick Lindsay and Igidio Perfetti. I feel a bit for York Bergmeister because he's done a really good job over recent years for Team Project One and found himself without a drive this year. He won't be sure to work, I'm sure, going into a, a new season when you consider WEC. But uh, yeah, uh, Patrick Lindsay, York Bergmeister, not with the 56 crew uh, any longer. Just over halfway through this session. Haven't seen many improvements of times recently. We're just getting a few faster sector times. Guido van der Garde, fifth place in the LMP2 class in the racing team. Netherlands do not say Delara, say Orica. They've changed for the 2019-2020 championship. So the very level-headed Dutchman uh, going well there. Let's see if you can string good laps together. And uh, Will Stevens starting to pick up the pace for the Jackie Chan DC Racing Orica. He's putting, in fact, he has just put an improved lap in, so he's moving up to seventh out of the eighth car, eighth cars. But for 
Will Stevens uh, racing also in the European Le Mans series. Busy weekend, and I think someone did the maths for me. There are 16 drivers, I understand, who are competing in the European Le Mans series here with their race tomorrow and then the World Endurance Championship race on Sunday. Don't operate out of the same pit lane. You all have to have a monkey bike to get from A to B from the Heritage Pits and the ELMS up here to the WBC. So super busy, but uh, just another chance for the team's logistical champions to get things right Mm. or wrong. Well, indeed. Uh, Yeah, and uh, you get the feeling that mistakes will be rather amplified in such a short, a small footprint area. It's a circuit 5.9 kilometres, but therefore, what, about three kilometres from one uh, pit lane to the other. Um, and yes, you don't the, want your driver taking the courtesy double-decker bus that no. will shift the fans around because no lift has been provided. I was going to say, there's no accounting for what traffic you may encounter on the way through, particularly on uh, Saturday. I mean, they won't have to do it on Sunday because ELMS will, will be completed by that point. But the turnaround between qualifying for ELMS and the WC, if you're involved in both, if you're a gold or a platinum and expected to be involved with both, that could be very tricky indeed. But these timetables are carefully planned out. But, of course, the best laid plans could be blown entirely out of the water if we get a stoppage. And then all of a sudden, you know, a 15-minute break becomes five minutes. Yes, and certainly your driver rotor has to be sorted out. If you're doing both sessions, you don't do the last stint in the first session. You get done and dusted and hop, yeah. on, hop on the bus even run if you have to from the heritage pits over to the to the wing pits but right now let's look at the top of the charts Toyota Gazoo racing first and second still an 8.8 of a second advantage for the number seven ahead of the number eight and the number seven just come out after a while in the pits they've been in and out the pits as has pretty much every car in this second free practice session here at Silver. Some conditions are fair they're not having to fight the conditions at all and Johnny at the start of the session you mentioned the fact that temperatures will be starting to drop a little bit as we uh cruise towards six o'clock in the evening also a bit more cloud cover which will help to to lower the circuit temperatures as the drivers get more and more used to it have more rubber to experience beneath their tires but also for 2019 2020 season they've got more grip simply because the circuit's been resurfaced and they love it yeah, the di- another difference in LMP1, which I don't think we've mentioned too much about, is uh, the fact that we've got four turbocharged cars, but the Rebellions are naturally aspirated. Four and a half litre V8 from, again, Repton's finest Gibson. So Gibson supply the engines for all of the LMP2 cars, all eight of them. That's a 4.2 litre V8, and then it's a four and a half litre V8 for Rebellion number one and Rebellion number three. But uh, the AER engine, which is in the back of both of the Genettas is a bi-turbo. AER, so quiet as to the exact specification of that engine. It's a V6, 90 degrees, uh, but they're still yet to fully expose what, what CC it is. Everyone thinks it's a 2.4, uh, but it is. it has to be uh, claimed as a, as a turbocharged engine because there are different regulations for turbocharged and non-turbocharged um, but yeah that's going to be interesting as well to see how uh, the car changes in performance as we head towards the latter portion of this session rebellion very strong in sector two that's where it got all its time for the fastest time earlier on today a 138.860 however the two toyotas are easily beneath that time now and the number one car has gone quicker than that as well. We're into, well, for the number seven Toyota, the the late 136s, and it's a mid-137 offered by Toyota number eight. These were set early on in the session after just five laps. 137.876 from the number one car that topped free practice one. So it's found a clear second, hasn't it, on the earlier times already? If 
I was a racing driver, which I am not, I would want to be fastest in the middle sector of the three because that's what I think of as the hero sector. It starts just as you turn into Brooklands, but it includes cops, maggots, Beckett's, and then Chapel. That, to me, is where the driver really, really earns its, uh, earns their corn. So if I had to be slower in sectors one and three, I could live with that. But uh, so top in sector two, they get, I think, the top step in terms of uh, driver performance. The driver's going increasingly well. has been Guido van der Garde, racing team Netherlands, up to third now in P2. Let's go to the pit lane and dive. Yeah, I'm just uh, at the Ginetta at team LNT uh, with Lawrence Tomlinson, just having a quick chat with Lawrence. He was just having to have a chat with someone else at the moment. But um, Lawrence, first of all, let me just say, is it great to be back at Silverstone? Oh, it's great to be back at Silverstone and with our own... Ginetta LMP1 car is just fantastic, really. Yeah, we're delighted to be back. Um, it's it's our first real race um, with this car because it never really raced properly with the other engine that it had in. So now we've got the Ginetta and the AR power. Should be competitive, hopefully more competitive as the season goes along. So we've, we've got a lot of catching up to do. But you set yourself a big challenge and, and you're not one to shy away from a challenge, that's for sure. You've got both cars here this weekend, start of the, the WEC season. Now, the number five obviously had to, to come in and you were just sort of telling me there very quickly there was a problem with, with the aerial. I know they've got some other gremlins going on with the car at the moment, but if you just give us an update. Yeah, Ben Hanley was out in the car and I could only get Radio 2. He wanted Radio 1, so we're taking him a new aerial. So it was either that or... Um, the FIA signal was a little bit weak and they can't check the data or the position, so we got black and orange flag for that. So um, it's a bit of a, an annoyance because really the car's running quite well. So um, yeah, something and nothing, but one of those things that's just going to spoil it a little bit for us because we need to get Igor in the car and get him some laps. Yeah, you had limited uh, track time with it on free practice one and obviously having it sit back in the garage is not the ideal scenario. So how do you compensate for that? Well, you, you can never compensate for the lost time and um, just, you know, we're behind on the program where we'd like to be. So... We hopefully get it out. We just the aerial's not a big change in itself, but it's just a case of um, where the cable goes. So <laughs> if you obviously uh, you can't see, but the, the whole front of the car's off to get the cable in and uh, and reroute reroute the cable to the aerial. So we hopefully get it out maybe with 20 minutes to go, and uh, we want to do some tire runs and and get Igor in the car, get him accustomed to it. So. Yeah, there's not much we can do about it, but we just work through it. All right, Lawrence, no doubt we'll catch up with you over the weekend, but I uh, hope you get back out on track fairly soon. All right, thanks, Diana. Cheers. Well, many, many fans here this weekend. I'm sort of just delighted to, to have Janetta back and uh, with a meaningful chassis and engine combination. You know, this is, even though we don't, we may not see a victory from Janetta this weekend, I think they're going to come closer and closer as this uh, success handicap comes into the equation you know because more toyota do of winning then the more they're going to be slowed down effectively by the officials by the, the stewards and therefore that will bring other lmp1 cars into the equation so you know let's not rule out an outright win potentially in a world endurance championship race over the next 12 months for janetta and team lnt well Let's wait and see how that unfurls through the course of this, the 2019-2020 super season. But I do feel for Ben Hanley there. I sometimes get a bit fed up with Radio 2 as well. Anyhow, <laughs> fifth and sixth fastest at the moment, but the Hanley car is ahead of the Jarvis car. 
2.7 seconds down on the ultimate pace and 3.3 respectively. But uh, the handy car, the number five, Ginetta, back out onto the circuit. The six circulating in the hands of Oliver Jarvis. Just trying to put, in fact, he's just done his best lap. Quite hard to see the timing screen at this point in the afternoon with the sun in the window. But what I have noticed in LMP2, we talked of United Autosports going to the top. High-class racing, new theoretically to the championship with their Orica, first full-season entry for them. And Mark Patterson is listed as the driver in the car. This is the one that sat in the pits for the first half hour, but second quickest in P2. So they've clearly uh, managed to find themselves a very, very good setup at the moment. Orica's third and fourth as well with the racing team Netherlands entry. Guido van der Garde set the time in that. And then Alexandra Quagny, he of Cool Racing, fourth fastest. So Orica's to the front in P2. In GTE Pro, it's uh, AF Corsa Ferrari's first and second and Porsche in third place. Yeah, they, they've paired off, haven't they, in pro? Very much so. So uh, are they even in numerical order? Oh, it's just the Astons that are letting us down. So uh, here's the order in pro. 51-71, they're the two Ferraris. 91-92, the two Porsches. And then 97, ahead of 95, frustratingly. But there's probably not a great deal between them. Just two-tenths of a second in order for them to, to rectify that. Because you've pretty much got the entry list there. Uh, and therefore, very easy to follow the order. Um, turn the entry list upside down to find the leading AM car because car 98 is currently quickest. Darren Turner now at the wheel on an outlap. So does that suggest that was a Ross gun time to get uh, the 156.463? Or it might have been an earlier DT effort, in fact. Well, Ross was out at the start of the second session and right. um, that has been at the top since the start of the session. Paul Dallalan has had a go in the car. Now it's the turn of Darren Turner. Unless my eyes deceive me, I think that's how it's been. And uh, more cars being pinged, but not yet penalised recently. It's the 51 Ferrari right at the sharp end in the GTO Pro class. But uh, just being watched, being observed. And that has to behave for another 30-odd minutes. So that's James Collado, the 30-year-old Brit from Cropthorne in uh, Worcestershire originally. I think he lives in Cardiff these days. Alessandro Pierguidi is the Italian a platinum driver so they are former uh, world champions outgoing world champions effectively when Michael Christensen and Michael and Kevin Estra became the new WEC GT champs and they were crowned that was officially uh, cemented at Le Mans of course, they'd taken victory a year ago at Le Mans as well, but it was the 51 Ferrari that were victorious at La Sarte this time around. Ferrari with a strong car. It's just they hadn't carried that performance necessarily throughout the whole of the super season. And uh, it's the same amount of races in this new season eight as the super season. It was called the super season because it spanned such a long period of time, 18 months or thereabouts, uh, but there were still just eight races contained within. And uh, eight races again this time around, but of different lengths and some new venues we'll be returning to, at least, uh, with Sao Paulo back on the bill, as is Bahrain in December. So lots and lots of racing to look forward to. Six hours of Fuji next, a four hours of Shanghai then follows in November, and then an eight-hour affair at Bahrain on the 14th of December. What do you do if you have a five-minute stop-and-go penalty? You come in, you... Swear at yourself, you sit there, you serve the time. What you should not do is then go back out and do it again. Ten-minute stop-and-go penalty now for car yes. number 83. I th in fact, I think they did a further offence before they came in to serve the five-minute. So the lineup of Francois Perrodo, Emmanuel Collard and Nicholas Nielsen, the Danish uh, racer in the 83 car, will have to uh, twiddle their thumbs in the pit lane 
And we have uh, just under half an hour remaining and 10 minutes that will be taken up at a standstill for the number 83 Ferrari. So not a, a great role there. It's not even as if you can claim, well, we've done five minutes already, so can we just do another five? You know, because it's incremental, you get warnings, you get plenty of warnings. We've had those all day. And then the penalties start to come in. Did they get a, was the first sort of serious penalty a drive through or does it, is it five minute bang stop on five and go. Minute, that's your first meaningful one okay so it's not even a drive through or a, or a straightforward stop and go i.e. come to a stop for a split second and go five minutes then ten minutes what's after that let's hope we don't find out for AF Corsa and the number 83 car so Francois Perodo, Manu Collard Nicholas Nielsen, is that the driving lineup that you have? Yes, that's that correct. Car? Fine, because yep. that was a that was uh, I think a, an entry list that I'd looked at just a few days ago, and there's lots changing in the WEC as there has been in the ELMS as well, and uh, signed off entry lists. I'm hoping will be issued uh, after this session for both series, so that we know where to, we stand ahead of qualifying. Well, obviously, the biggest question in that at the moment is, with, will David Heinemeyer Hansen get to drive the 56 Team Project 1 Porsche? In this morning's session, David Kolkman, young German racer, served as a stand-in, and David Heinemeyer Hansen waiting to see as and when his wife will give birth to their first child. So, uh, warm feelings and best of luck to the two of them. But uh, if she hangs on for another day with young Junior, then David will not be getting to race. Yeah, running short a little bit now on time to be qualified for the race anyway. His last shot will be tomorrow morning between 9 and 10 during free practice three. But obviously priority is very much elsewhere right now, so I don't think he'll be too concerned about that. And uh, I believe it's a, it's a full season entry for the 56 crew and the same drivers. So, uh, yes, young German from... The Porsche Carrera Deutschland, uh, David Kalkman, with an opportunity to impress. He's raced with Team Project One before, so certainly not new to the, the, the German squad. And might, might well be making a name for himself already, David Kalkman, as the silver-rated driver. Uh, would not be involved in qualifying if it were he to be part of the race, because it'll be Cairoli and Perfetti, as we've already made the point. Um, yeah, so you get free choice as to who takes part in qualifying if you are an LMP1 entry or a GT Pro entry. Uh, but uh, there are careful steps you have to make in LMP2 because you've got to utilise your silver driver in quality, and then the second driver is free of choice. And then in GTE AM, it's got to be the bronze, probably joined by the platinum diana biggs johnny the number seven i don't know if you um uh, caught that but they had a had a puncture so the car came in to the pit lane um they took it into the garage they've obviously sorted out the the puncture and they're making a few setup changes um before they head back out on track but i didn't actually see the number seven come in i don't know if you saw it no, and of course, well, punctures on number seven car, a bit of a moot point after after Le Mans, because uh, remember they, they changed the wrong punctured tyre in inverted commas? Yeah, and it's been in there, it's been in there a good good few minutes for sure, definitely about five minutes plus. Well, Mike Conway at Barcelona in an interview that uh, you may well have heard on the RSL network, um, 
talking through that whole situation, and uh, I was trying to ask, you know, why was the why were the set sensors telling them that it was a certain wheel on the car? That one got changed, it went back out again, and the car still had a puncture. And he put it down to basically a couple of pins that had been put in the wrong way. And he said, it just shouldn't happen. I said, was that linked to the accident you'd had earlier on in the week with Ricardo Gonzalez, Roberto Gonzalez, where one car went over the top of the other? And he said, well, possibly. We did have to rebuild a brand new chassis in quite a hurry. But at the end I of the day... I think that would explain why they are being very thorough over the car yeah, and maybe uh, so. took it into the garage. And they definitely were making some changes. Um, no frantic activity. Well, you can probably hear they're putting the wheels back on now. So they're about to wheel it back out and off it will go. But I would suspect from what you said, Johnny, that would make perfect sense. You know, they're not taking any chances, are they? No, but this is Silverstone free practice, and that was Le Mans when they were leading the race, and uh, poor old Jose Maria Lopez having to radio back for a second time, saying, my dashboard still says puncture. Of um, course, though, Johnny, at that late, late stage in the race, the big question was, why did they not replace all four tyres on the car? They replaced the one they thought that had sensed it had a puncture. Yeah. And had they replaced all four, that wouldn't have been an issue and they would have gone on. And, and quite simply, the, the, the stints that Mike Conway did, they were the race-winning stints. He was phenomenal, this June at Le Mans. So heart went out to him. It really should have had his name on the winner's trophy. It did not. But teams learn through their mistakes. They learn operational, procedural elements. And uh, you feel fairly certain they'll be uh, not replacing just one tyre at a time in future. Belt and braces. Well, maybe they will. Well... I mean, I, I realise as well that obviously Toyota is, a, is very much an OEM, a huge manufacturer around the world. They need to, de to demonstrate that their technical sensors systems that detect punctures on road-going cars need to be relied upon. So it's the car's telling you to change the front left, you change the front left. It just had a very embarrassing outcome. But as Mike says, you know, Every team builds up a car on Friday of Le Mans. That's not just because you've crashed it. It's common practice. So he said it just it just shouldn't happen. That was his quote to me. It just shouldn't happen. And he hung his head. But there were several occasions for me last season when the seven car was well worthy of a win over the eight. And for whatever reason, couldn't do it. Um, are we going to have a more even... Uh, competition between the two Toyotas this time around. We'll wait and see. Well, Brendan Hartley would be hoping there isn't at all because he's the driver who's taken over from Fernando Alonso in that number eight Toyota, sharing it with Sebastian Buemi and Kazuka Nakajima and the Kiwi, certainly a driver of considerable merit. More cars now being pinged. Number 70, report to the pit lane for your five-minute uh, stop-and-go penalty. Number 70 is the MR Racing Ferrari. Motoaki Ishikawa, Olivier Beretta and Kei Cosolino. So uh, I think there's a lot of drivers going to get to come and talk to the race officials afterwards. And they probably, well, some of them want to see video evidence, just check how much they'd uh, transgressed by, or maybe in some cases they're whinging about it by how little. But uh, all is fair. That's how it's been observed from race control. And uh, pretty much I'd say almost all of the GTE AM runners have been uh, noticed once, twice, some even three times for transgressing, going out beyond the white lines at the edge of the circuit. 23 minutes remaining in the second 90-minute session here at Silverstone. Track conditions fine, a beautiful late summer evening, sun shining down the pit lane, but shadow's getting a little longer, Johnny. We've gone past 6 o'clock in the evening. We should have finished by now. We started, though, half an hour late due to earlier delays. And so they'll have different light conditions they'll have at any other point of the meeting. But right now, after nearly three hours of running, split between the two sessions they know how the car's handling it's really a case of just pounding out the laps and good i think to have just about consistent conditions uh, we didn't have that 12 months ago um, when uh, well we had different conditions i think 
across all three days. I'm trying to remember back now. Um, but uh, Spa, <laughs> earlier on the year, at least it wasn't quite as bad as that, with snow partway through that race on the on the Saturday afternoon. We had snow, we had hail, we had wind. We had the lot. Everything. It was, like, it? it was like a regular spring or autumn day in Norfolk, as far as I can understand. <laughs> Four seasons in one day. Mind you, they were the Kiwis, weren't they? Crowded house that sung that song, because down there you get that as well. But uh, certainly that, that was just... Well, we commentated on that together, and we didn't know where to look le- next no, no, because right. we thought, "Is that looks so snow's coming?" It is snow, and the cars are out on slicks, ready to start the race. Extraordinary. Yeah. Yellow oh. flag at turn one. Who's gone round at Abbey? Just waiting to see if we got any uh, stop signs on the timing screen. Not as yet, but maybe the car has uh, had a spin and kept going. Yellow now at turn five. Working their way round to Aintree, so I don't d- doubt it's the same car somehow, but clearly people getting a bit lively as we go into the final 20 minutes or so of this session. Guys, I'm just um, making my way back down the pit lane again and having a look in to see who's in the garage and whatever. And um, the number five, Tinetta, is still actually in the garage, so there's clearly a little bit more going on there than, than we thought because um, there's quite a few of the guys around the car. That doesn't look like it's going to go back out anytime soon, and it's not been out since I was there earlier on talking to Lawrence. I saw the number six come in and go back out, but the five is definitely not looking like it's going anywhere too quickly. OK. Yeah. Again, concerning, and not the same problem, presumably, that the number five car encountered, because it... Well, uh, Lawrence made the point, didn't he, Lawrence Tomlinson, that the car was going really well before the black and orange flag appeared, and that sort of broke their rhythm... And now it's maybe just all related to the aerial issue. And I think it, it, it's very complicated to get that aerial. I saw the cabling yeah. going into it, so they did have to take the front end off. Um, and you just never know what you're going to disturb at that point, do you, when you're trying to do something that should be relatively simple. It clearly wasn't simple. Uh, did, did he reckon then that that's data that like the, the, the race officials want to retrieve from the car whilst it's on the move and that sort of beams his stuff back? Yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't read the information and that's why they got called in. So okay. they, had to, they had to change and make an adjustment. But, yeah. uh, I didn't realise it would be so complicated on that car really to get to the aerial. No, that's not something they'll want to be uh, dealing with in the race, is it? And uh, it may well be the same across all the all the other uh, LMP1 cars. In that, you know, the, the aerial's great when it works, but when you need to change a thing, it's more like a 30-minute job to actually access the point you need. Um, the order above the number five car is still Toyota from Toyota, seven quicker than eight, eight tenths of a second the difference, and those are still the times that. Uh, were posted on lap five of 30-odd now for both of the Toyota Gazoo TSO 50s. Rebellion's next, one faster than three. Norman Natto doing some time in that car. It's done 26 laps and two more for the three car now completed. Nathanel Berton back at the wheel there. So 28 laps just done. And actually, three laps ago, Berton posted the fastest time for car number three, which is a 138.687. And Guy Smith now into the uh, LNT Janetta. So car six going absolutely fine. And 139.894 is that number six chassis' best time so far. 
Um, Had a bit of a change in GTE Pro. The AF Corsa Ferraris haven't been knocked from the top. It's 51 from 71. But a while ago, it was the Porsches in third and fourth. Now they're in fourth and sixth because Nicky Team and Maxime Martin, respectively, have improved their car's time. So mixing, stirring it all together in GTE Pro. Aston Martin Racing from the outset of this session have been fastest in the GTE Am. Category 21st overall, Paul Dallalana driving now, but I believe the time was set right at the start. Yeah, lap number three in the session, and that was set by uh, Ross Gunn. So two runs in the car in this session for Paul Dallalana. Getting used to the new car, of course, uh, the, the new shape vantage or new uh, last year now allowed to be run in GTE Am and uh, making the best fist of it. Second fastest car, also an Aston Martin vantage. That's uh, Charlie Eastwood at the wheel of the TF Sport, number 90. Red liveried car. Please adjust your sets if you haven't seen it before. It looks different, looks fantastic. And it's been going very well indeed in the GT Am class. In fact, was fastest of all in that class in this morning's session. Yeah, not bad considering their runs in Barcelona during the prologue were heavily compromised. Tom Ferry wasn't even in Spain. He was at Spa in readiness for the 24 hours that was taking place at the end of that week. And I think the only driver to get mileage behind the wheel of car uh, 90 was Johnny Adam. There was no Charlie Eastwood. There, were, there was no Sally Yollock because, again, they were busy in Belgium as well ahead of the 24 hours at the end of July. And uh, the team pretty much packed up on the... Where are we? Wednesday afternoon. It was due to be a Tuesday and Wednesday test. But the GT end of the pit lane went very, very quiet on day two because of a, a, a sort of double booking for, for many pilots. The Amfield completely together now on the timing screen. So 21st down to 31st represents the 11 car entry for GTE Am. And that's number 98 Aston Martin of Paul Delalana, as Bruce has just mentioned, from Charlie Eastwood. And David Kolkman back at the wheel of the number 56 Team Project 1 Porsche. Then it's Moto Aki Ishikawa, or at least he was last to drive the MR Racing Ferrari out of the AF Corsa awning. But the number 70 car is parked up in the pit lane currently. Charlie Hollings, uh, good to have Charlie back associated with ACO Rules Racing. He's run in LMP1, if you go back far enough, at Le Mans uh, for Red River Sport. And uh, Johnny Molem saying that Charlie Hollings is sort of a, an unknown treasure, really. I mean, people like us know about him, but um, tapped, untapped talent, you might say. And I think we're going to see some very special stints from, from Charlie through the course of the year, joining Bonamy Grimes and Johnny himself, who's back to driving duty or sort of coaching and driving duty together. Uh, Francois Perodo now back out in the number 83 AF Corsa Ferrari. That's the car he shares with Nicholas Nielsen, the Dane and Frenchman Manu Collard. Diana Johnny, Binks. I've uh, come back up to pit out uh, again just to have a look as to what's going on now. I don't think the number seven Toyota Gazoo racing car actually went out. So I don't know if you spotted it at all in the, in the last sort of five minutes. I only saw it being wheeled back in as I came up here as I turned around and, and the car is in the garage and they've jacked it up now and there's clearly a, number of, a lot of work going on around the car so I don't I don't suspect that's uh, just your general setup changes which car was that again? the number 7 Toyota right. Gazoo Racing yeah fastest in the session so far but uh, maybe they were just making motions to, to get it towards the end of the pit lane and something else struck you're going to be joined by the number 8 Toyota very shortly as well because Kaz Nakajima's just appeared at the uh, pit in end of the lane. 
And that means just two LMP1 cars staying out for the latter portion of this session. We may well get more joining in the remaining 10 minutes, but we're inside the final 15 now. Busy on track for LMP2. It's only the number 36 Cinetech Alpine Elf car that is parked up currently because two further cars now on outlaps include number 42 Cool Racing and number 38 the Jota car. I've just realised that that's effectively the return of the, the, the mighty 38, isn't it? Cause Jota, that's a, a number that's been long synonymous with, with Jota. But, of course, this is the first official entry for a for a Jota-named car. Previously, they've been Jackie Chan DC racing machines. So Sam Hignett's outfit and, uh, yeah, the, the mighty 38, which was so good in the European Le Mans series. Simon Dolan and Harry Tinknell and people like Ollie Turvey as well raced the open cockpit uh, LMP2 car. Well, that's an Orica 07 and has now behind the wheel in car 38, Roberto Gonzalez, the Mexican. So both Toyotas in the pit lane, still no change as far as the number five is concerned, but uh, Bruno Senna's back out again. Number eight uh, did come in and had a driver change. I think it was Brendan Hartley that got behind the wheel. That's gone out. That's a, a quick service pit stop and driver change. But the number the number seven's certainly going to be there for some time. I don't think that will make its way back out for the rest of this session. Well, that was the one with the puncture, wasn't it? That yes, and then they... It going to be a quick... Fi Did they send it at all after fixing the puncture or changing the Well, that's the what I wasn't sure about. Because I, 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 I mocked down the end of the pit lane and came back up and I saw it being wheeled back in. So I wasn't sure whether it had managed to do another installation lap, come in and they'd taken yeah. it back in again. But they said they were doing some just general setup changes, but they're definitely not doing general setup changes here. I can see the, the changing the... I can see the brake pads are being changed. There's all sorts of stuff going on around. Now, whether they are just using it as a, an opportunity to do as much as possible, we're definitely thoroughly checking that car, so we just need to keep an eye on that one. They may be happy with the, the running that they've done uh, already today because we've had 31 laps in this session and find the right bit of paper to discover how many laps the seven car did in the earlier uh, session. 39, I make it with its fastest lap, coming on lap 38, very late on indeed. Kamui Kobayashi trying to match the speed of the Rebellions. Are we to look out for Rebellions turning up the wick, do you think, late on in this session with just 12 minutes to go? Because uh, Rebellion number one left it very late on lap 34 of 37, posting that 138.860. We are in a very different ballpark now, though, because the fastest time in this session is two seconds faster than that. Can the Rebellion touch the pace of the Toyotas so far? Well, we've just had Nat Berton leaving the pit, so he's uh, in the right sort of time frame to go out and do it, but I haven't seen any times really starting to be manifest out on the circuit. It's still looking good for Toyota. Guy Smith trying to... He's setting fastest sector times uh, for the number six LNT Janetta, but it's still last in the GT, the LMP1 class, still trying to topple its sister car, the number five still in the, the pit garage. Dana Binks has been bringing us news of that, but uh, doesn't look as though that's going to get out just yet. But look, the clock ticking down almost just 10 minutes. In fact, 11 minutes remaining in this 90-minute practice session. Fingers crossed for them, but uh, a big frustrating day for them, missing all of first practice session and now fallen out of the second one when they were going very well indeed the faster of the two Ginettas but uh, order combat at the moment um, 
92 Porsche back ahead of 95 Aston Martin. Where the Porsche's not fourth and sixth the last time we checked. I think the 91, the 92 cars found a better time. It has. There. Michael Christensen set that time a couple of moments ago, came into the pits and is now going out all over again. The 71 Ferrari, second fastest in class, picking up another warning for exceeding track limits. They're about to have pretty much the rest of the se- session taken away from them hmm. if they don't stay between the white lines. Uh, other changes, uh, no one's really knitting it together. Charlie Eastwood, second fastest in the GTE Am, 22nd overall in the TF Sport Aston Martin, starting to do some good sector ties. Can he string them together for a lap? That's the big question. So it's Aston Martin's first and second in the GTE Am class, but it's the Aston Martin racing version, number 98, that uh, holds sway at the moment with 10 minutes remaining. Yeah, so the order in pro now. Still the two Ferraris at the top of the shop, 51 faster than 71. Then the 92 Porsche of Michael Christensen, the car he shares with Kevin Estra. They are the World Endurance Championship uh, defending title holders going into a new season. Two Aston Martins, 95 faster than 97. And then propping up the pros, albeit only six of them this year, uh, the other Porsche 911 RSR 19, as it's called for the new season, with a slightly uprated engine and an awful lot of development work being done on that Porsche as well. Looks very uh, svelte indeed, very menacing, despite it being not in a black livery, but uh, sort of silvery white. And the 91 car, this is the first time we will have seen that new spec GTE car well before it will feature in the United States, for example, in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, because they've got to wait till Daytona in the new year for the new car. It's in GTE Pro that the faster laps are being put in. Just had an improvement from Richard Leitz. Moves from sixth up to fifth, deposing the second of the Aston Martins, number 97. But 97's in the pits. The sister car, 95 also in the pits. 71 AF Corsa in the pits. Maybe that's serving one of its penalties. It's hard to tell, but that's one that's been constantly watched for exceeding track limits, or maybe watched for constantly exceeding track limits, if I want to put the words in a different order. But anyhow, in GT Pro, it's still the 51 Ferrari, the sister car. It's been driven very well indeed by James Collado and Alessandro Piergidi, top of the pile. Not a lot in it, but they've been there consistently. It's worth noting. In AM, yeah, looking good for the, for the Aston Martins. A, a, a good mixture of Porsches and Ferraris behind, really. Slightly concerned about the pace from Dempsey Proton Racing. They may just be keeping their powder dry, though, cycling through their, their various drivers. Oh, we've actually just had a, a proper improvement in, in the class, up to third in class. I can't do the maths. It's fourth in class. One of the, the better of the AF Corsa Ferraris. Nicholas Nielsen, young Danish racer, joining that crew for the 2019-2020 World Endurance Championship super season just moves up to fourth. So Ferrari's very much getting in the mix there and um, looking very good indeed in the hands of Nicholas Nielsen. This is a car that, of course, uh, has had a 10-minute stop-and-go penalty for uh, going off the track a little too much, but clearly in the Danes' hands, very quick indeed. Yeah, uh, a whisked in Ferrari Challenge in Europe, and I think he was the winner of the of the world final the back end of last year when the North American Ferrari Challenge and the European Challenge and the Asian Challenge all meet up. Um, I'm trying to remember where that was now. Nick did tell me somewhere in Italy this year. It doesn't always have to be in Italy, the homeland of Ferrari. No, it was certainly European. He was certainly European champion. But looking back earlier in his career, he was mighty in karts. Second in the European KF Championship in 2014. Third in the World Kart Final in 2015. That's quite a pedigree. Came into the Audi TT Cup in 2016 when he would have been uh, just turning 19 years old. Uh, did a bit of Formula 4 for a couple of seasons and then moved over to Ferraris and bang, hit the top note immediately. So... Uh, 
very, very promising indeed. And I think he's a good signing for this year. Talking of Car 83, team manager of Car 83, immediately to the race director. Okay. Better buy a box of cupcakes to try and uh, get them on your side. But it's been the constant exceeding of track limits, and they've clearly lost their patience. Already given them a 10-minute stop-and-go penalty. And uh, I think maybe a further transgression is just one too many. I think that Ferrari final was at Monza at the back end of last year. I know it's been held at Daytona in the past and uh, other places too in the US, uh, but uh, it was Europe's turn in 2018. But, uh, yeah, he's been spotted as a talent for Ferraris. There is some adjustment to be made from a challenge car and also from a GT3 car into GTE. Uh, you don't get any of the driver um, enhancements and uh, the sort of additions to, to like, uh, ABS and, like, traction control. Although, I think in the modern-day GTE car, there is a little bit of traction control, actually, so correct that, but certainly no ABS. Um, and you could argue a lot more finesse required when you're trying to just wrestle the last extra tenths and hundredths out of a GTE car. One Ferrari... Back, both Ferraris pitted on that lap and both are back out again. Now with Alessandro Pierre Guidi driving the 51 and Davide Rigon in the 71. So all change around there. And an all-Italian affair. They share, of course, with Brit James Collado in the 51 and now Spaniard Miguel Molina in the 71. Molina uh, has uh, truly made his name in... GT3 racing around the world, but also did at least one season in the ELMS with the JNW Motorsport squad. So it was uh, just waiting in the wings for his opportunity for a full-time drive with AF Corsa. Sam Bird with a big decision to be made over the, the off-season, as we'll call it, over the summer, as to whether he was fully committed to Formula E or wanted to try and dovetail the two seasons. But that might have meant he missed out on one or two rounds of the WEC, or conversely, one or two rounds of the Formula E Championship. That didn't seem to make sense to the Brits, and uh, he's now firmly committed to Formula E. Very disappointed. One or two articles come out, actually, after interviews with Sam Bird. Uh, he didn't really relish being in that position, but decision now made for the, the future year. Well, we've just been talking about Nicholas Nielsen. He's fourth fastest in GTE Am, and he's uh, improving, improving. And where's he's moved up to now? Just gone up into third in class. Still the two Aston Martins, but he's getting much, much closer in that number 83 Ferrari. Team manager won't get to watch that. He's on his way up to race control by the sound of things. Into the final four minutes this session, but the young Dane going very well indeed. And in fact, just glancing through his record, end of last year at Sakir in Bahrain, there was the FIA GT Nations, Nations Cup, Cup, and he yeah. finished third in that with Johnny Lawson and... Uh, Clearly, he put in a really, really mighty performance and uh, it was noted. He was already noted. And I think we're going to hear an awful lot more from him. So still the two Aston Martins with bragging rights. 21st and 22nd overall, but importantly, first and second in GTEM. But uh, the best of the Ferraris now in the hands of Nicholas Nielsen. And I think the team will be very pleased with him indeed. Richard Leitz gets the number 91 Porsche off the bottom of the pile in GTE Pro to post exactly the same lap time as Nicky Team in number 95. Now, Nicky did it long before Austrian driver Richard Leitz. Uh, so uh, 95 still gets the position, but they have both done a 155.976, which is uh, nice and telling come the race on Sunday. It looks like Porsche and Aston could be very evenly matched indeed. Uh, and it's really only the Ferraris that seem to be slightly further ahead, but they're all in the 55.9s. 
And we talk about balance of performance and how tricky it is to get that right. Well, it's my understanding that the, the BOP hasn't actually changed a great deal since Spa at uh, the back end of last season. Uh, Le Mans always does have its very own special uh, balance of performance. It's a larger margin for the number 51 for I, looking at those times again. So 51's done a 155.5, but then compare these times behind that. 71 Ferrari, 155.907. Uh, 92 Porsche, 155.936. Uh, 95 Aston Martin, 155.976. Number 91 Porsche, 155.976. And then number 90. Seven Aston Martin 156.206. So four cars near identical times there, 155.9. And they're going to be pretty much that close for the full four hours, even more so because it's a four hour race this year rather than six. And you know what? We're not going to be complaining. That's how we like it in GTO Pro. GTE Pro, and that's how it's been over the years. Six this time, we had ten last year, but uh, the battle is still going to be every bit as intense. But he must say, on the early form in practice session number one, the first 90-minute session, and this session as well, that number 51 Ferrari is looking very, very handy indeed. It might be a small advantage, but it's a consistent advantage that James Collado and Alessandro Pierghidi have been displaying. Maybe they just got it right today, but uh, you can only go by what you see in front of you. Richard Leeds, has he just moved up into... He's moved into second, second place, place in GT Pro, so he left it late, just a minute to go. And how far is he off Birgidi's best time? Just uh, 0.16 of a second, so 16 hundredths of a second. Very tight indeed. Closing up all the time. And is Ricard actually done with that? Because a 35.3 is not hanging around through the first sector. We might be able to see further improvement. Obviously, Porsche want to finish top if they can. And although we haven't seen the rush to the top of the time from Rebellion, we are seeing something a little bit more lively in GTE Pro. Also, Nicholas Nielsen's rise through the order has been very impressive. He's up to third fastest now is the Dane, faster than David Kolkman. Uh, it is Kay Cosolino at the wheel of the MR Racing Ferrari number 70. That's fifth fastest ahead of the Red River Sport example of Charlie Hollings. So 62, now sixth in class. 10 seconds till the chequered flag. We waved it. It will be waved at the number five LNT Ginetta because Igor Orichev, the Russian racer, is finally out onto the circuit. They've got it fixed in the nick of time. And he just banged in that car's fastest first sector time of anybody and about a second off the ultimate pace. So he's shown he's got the pace. The chequered flag is now flown. Only a couple of cars have taken it so far, but good to hear at least that Team LNT had both their cars out on the circuit at the end of practice. This is practice session number two. We've got an hour of play tomorrow morning ahead of qualifying. So fingers crossed, uh, particularly for the number five, Ginetta. Didn't run this morning with the uh, problem it had there with an electrical glitch on the down change and then further issues. But when it's out on the track, it's proved to be very handy indeed. Two and a bit seconds down on the ultimate pace set in this session by the Toyotas, but uh, out there doing its business. And obviously cars in various orders now will head across the line to receive the chequered flag. Some won't finish the session out on track and will head for the pit lane instead. Uh, but cars that are yet to cross the line and therefore could potentially improve either one of the two rebellions. But I don't think the lap times are conducive to, uh, to improving their times. And indeed, Bruno Senna goes across the line to prove that very fact. He's about five seconds off. Nat Berton could be an even slower run and might just head for the pit lane in car number three. 
but great to have both Janettas at least finish the session. Yegor Rudchev on the track. Guy Smith deciding to pit just shy of club corner. Uh, but gets the chequered flag now uh, via the pit lane. And what about in the GTE Pro category? 51 Ferrari will hang on just about by one and a half tenths. Alessandro Pierguidi and James Collado's number 51 Ferrari ahead of a late charge from Richard Leitz in the number 91 Porsche, who will finish the session in second place in class. Then the 71 Ferrari third, 92 Porsche fourth, and the two Aston Martins fifth and sixth. But fans of Aston Martin, very local to here at Silverstone, of course, their base at Gaydon, uh, do not fret because they are certainly in the ballpark, just three-tenths of a second off the nearest car. It was a 155.5 for the fastest Ferrari, and the Astons have done 156.2 and 156.4, respectively. They may well be focusing on getting the car consistent across a uh, race stint as well, or indeed several of them bolted together Diana Binks with some reaction perhaps I was just going to add that uh, whilst you're talking about where everyone is finishing the cars are now coming into the pit lane in the droves and they're, they're not quite done yet a lot of them are using this opportunity for a last minute pit stop practice so that's something that's clearly important as we head towards the race but um, there's there's something like 10, 12 cars here at the moment all vying for their position outside their, their garage and using that opportunity just to fine tune Excellent, uh, thank you for that um, just wondering whether are you anywhere close to TF Sport because it might be quite fun to, to chat to Charlie Eastwood uh, late on. I can't remember whether he did the time or whether it was Johnny Adam, but either one would do. Uh, but at the same time, if uh, if TF Sport's a long walk away from you, then uh, don't fret. No, no, I'll go down there now. Excellent. They finished second in the session. I'm just mindful that we've heard from Paul Dallalana already in the other Aston Martin. Uh, I'm just interested to, to, to know whether they feel like they've got a good chance of taking victory this weekend, because in pro, the Astons are the slowest cars, but in AM, they are the fastest machines, and the, the session... Uh, with a double result for Aston Martin there. First and second, separated by just 0.4 of a second. Actually very, very tight between uh, the slowest Aston and Nicholas Nielsen charging hard in that 83 AF Corsa Ferrari. Um, 156.559 was the TF Sport Aston Martin's best result. Best time, rather. And the AF Corsa Ferrari did a 156.591. So really nothing between those two very different cars. One certainly front-engined, although twin-turbocharged these days, and uh, the mid-engine Ferrari. Just, uh, literally jumped out of the car, so I'll have a quick chat with them. Two free practice sessions are over today. Um, are you happy with where you've ended up? It's looking good. Um, Coming into a bit of an unknown, really, because from last season, we've now got the new generation, uh, Aston Martin. So for us, it's really where are we versus the other manufacturers. So, yeah, to come here and, and really from the, the offset, we've had a great balance in the car, which always helps. Um, and with the new surface here at Silverstone, it just feels like there's grip everywhere. So, um, yeah, it's a great start to the, to the weekend. How much work did you go into preparing? What strategies you were going to run during those sessions to get the information that you needed to, so you knew where you were, respectively, by the end of it? Yeah, again, we're all we're, we're learning so much with the new car. We've we've done a two-day test a few weeks ago, which went really well. Probably one of the best tests we've done as a team. So we came here all with with quite high hopes, and yeah, we we again went through a run plan exactly as we wanted. So. Um, 
yeah, it's a, it's a perfect start, but as we know, so much can happen here. So, uh, yeah, we just need to keep doing the right things and, and hopefully it pays off in the end. You said you've learned a lot with this new car already. What's the biggest thing that you've learned? Today, um, the biggest thing is really when we come to the tracks is trying to, in WEC, is, is trying to understand what, what tyre suits our car the best with the two different compounds. And we just try to get a real good balance of that today. And, yeah, as I said, the unknowns are really the long runs and things like that to see how we're going to end up in, in the race. But, yeah, it's all looking really good at the minute. Got to say, you've got a fantastic garage here. And as I'm chatting to you, Johnny Adam is taking a picture. <laughs> Yeah. He's like that, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's one of my biggest fans, Johnny Adam. Uh, he, he aspires to uh, to be like me one day. Um, but no, the car looks amazing. And, and I think at the start, we weren't sure if it was all going to be a little bit too much. But I think everyone, you know, um, on social media and things is absolutely loving it. But and for anyone just listening who obviously can't see it because we're on radio, it's it's red and black. But it's a, a stri- I, don't, I don't know quite what red it is. Quite strike, striking red and black is car. It, is it, it cherry really red, Di? Is it cherry red? I'm being asked by Johnny. Cherry red, closer to blood red, maybe. Blood I red. Know. Blood I like red, that. right. Okay, well, remember that. We'll use that in commentary all weekend now, you know that. <laughs> exactly, that's what t- Sally tells himself anyway. Makes him uh, feel like a bit more manly. So, uh, no, it looks great and. Uh, yeah, we're ready to go for the weekend. It always looks like you guys here at TF Sport have a good relationship, very professional. How important is that for you as a driver? You're still at the early stages of your career to have that, to, to just give you that added confidence. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, you know, when you speak to other drivers who have done things with all different teams. I've nearly got it quite easy from the start of my endurance racing. I've only ever worked with TF Sport and as you said, they do an amazing job and, and they, they keep making me look good, you know, time and time again. But yeah, the team is in such a good place and and I think the biggest thing that we have here is everybody knows what they're doing and, and if one person, say, isn't at an event or a test, it all still works and, and, and that's what's so good with the team that we all track on, know what we're doing so well as well, which, which always helps brilliant thanks for chatting to Charlie um, time now for some rest. crack at it tomorrow yeah, yeah have a bit of a talk through see what we're going to do and uh, yeah try and keep it up to pointy end of the, the timetable all weekend thanks Charlie thank you Charlie Eastwood, thank you, Dyke, for that. Charlie Eastwood with the TF Sport crew. We didn't uh, quite grab a word with Johnny Adam, but he was there taking photographs, so they may well be appearing on the relevant uh, social media in the next few moments. And, uh, yeah, that's how we sit then after two doses of 90-minute free practice. The Toyotas are top, unlike the earlier session where Rebellion finished fastest. So clearly they've got a bit more pace to show maybe even more up their sleeve ahead of free practice three, which is tomorrow morning, bright and early here at Silverstone from nine o'clock through till 10. And it will be the usual team, the usual treatment, live trackside here on RS3, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. My thanks to Diana Binks and to Bruce Jones. From Johnny Palmer, I hope you enjoy your evening. Very, very pleasant if you are here at Silverstone. Perfect time to go to a local pub. A lovely meal and a pint outside, I would say. But make sure you're here bright and early for tomorrow. As I say, 9 o'clock, we restart with more WC action. See you there, then. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.